0: Doesn't know anything really about real traditional barbecue. Right. So I grew up, he's cooking all this food and, you know, I'm enjoying it all. About 1990, I went down to San Marcos, Texas, stay with a friend of mine for a while. And he's taking me around to Fredericksburg and Braunfels and all these kind of central Texas places and we're eating barbecue. And he's like, you know, this is the introduction. Takes me to this place. I don't even know what it was called. I think it was in Fredericksburg. And he's like, you know, you got to try this. It's real Texas smoked brisket. And you've never had anything like this before. And I take a bite of it. And I says, yeah, my dad used to cook something like this when I was a kid. So I figured my dad invented barbecue. He wasn't the first person to invent barbecue. But he kind of did it in his own way. On his own, without any outside influence.
1: Yeah, and this is before the internet, before YouTube, before yeah. you can just become an expert almost overnight. So he's playing with. Do you remember what brand that big Kamado was, or do you still have it?
0: No, no, it disintegrated mm-hmm. over time. The, they weren't really built to last. They didn't have the kind of the ceramics that we have today. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know. There was no markings on it. It was just what it was it was but it was it was green and uh, it had most all the features to it I think it was possibly one of the original dragon Kamado's that came out of Japan Mm -hmm. then were later built in China in the 70s so um, but yeah I mean that was just kind of this weird thing and so I started getting into you know, smoking and doing stuff like that in, in the mid-90s. And then in uh, 97, I see this one-in, hiring people to run websites. Mm-hmm. And so just apply for it. We're going to pay you a monthly fee to run a website for us. And here's a list of topics. I look down the topics. And there's barbecue and grilling. And I'm thinking, hey, I could do that. You know, truth is I didn't really know enough to do it at the time. I kind of learned as the years went by. But by, you know, 15 years later, I'm getting 30 million users a year and have a newsletter going out to half a million people. So wow. that's kind of how it happened. It's largely by accident.
1: So you jumped in with both feet, though. So you've been doing this basically since you got out of school. I mean, this isn't something Pretty you close. just stumbled yeah. upon like I did seven years ago. This has been a lifelong or at least an adult lifelong passion of yours.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's you know, what are we looking at now? Twenty-three years.
1: You know, I remember my dad. Yeah, been... I remember my dad grilling one time in my life. One time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> my dad used to cook out a lot. He he was an avid fisher and hunter. He was quite the outdoorsman, and he if he didn't have to be inside, he wouldn't be inside. So yeah. he loved cooking out back and or at campsites. So I kind of always grew up with that.
1: What do you um? What's your favorite vessel to cook on now?
0: That's hard to say. Um, uh, I have I've had a big green egg for a million years. I love mm-hmm. that. Um, I actually I like simplicity. I like charcoal. Uh, I will do a lot on a Weber kettle because mm-hmm. I've been using one for more than twenty years. But you know, other than that, I kind of get I get cookers in a lot to work with. So, you know, something new comes in, and that's what I'm cooking on. Yeah. And then I just kind of keep moving from unit to unit.
1: So a lot of times when you're cooking, you're working.
0: Yeah, it's you know, it's getting a feel for different types of cooking equipment. I mean, I test a lot of grills and smokers, so you know it's sometimes it's a couple of weeks of just cooking on mm-hmm. one thing to just kind of figure out you know what's best for it and what's right and what's wrong all
1: right i've got you in charge of the the uh, the Ray Rich's family reunion we're all going to meet in Kansas City and i'm okay. bring, I'm, bringing, work. I'm bringing the sides and you're bringing the proteins and and what what's the go-to protein that Derek Rich is going to bring that he knows is going to be foolproof and everybody's going to love it.
0: Well, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a loaded question. Um, I love, I love cooking brisket cause it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a bit of a, more of a challenge. There's a lot more that can kind of go wrong with it. And if I'm going to be doing Kansas city, I'm probably going to be doing a lot of brisket, separating the flats and the points and doing up, some burnt ends and mm-hmm. some good, good brisket slices. So you're separating them. And we'll throw in some pork ribs for, you know, the other people.
1: Okay. Okay. I like it. I'm a brisket guy too. It's my favorite thing to cook. I love it. Yeah. It's my zen. So Mo Sunset is it's my zen. It's my zen.
0: I yeah. There's it. something, it's, it, it, there's a bit more of an art to it, I think, than, I agree. than a lot of the other things.
1: It's more fun to pick out the meat when you look for something. you get, When I'm sitting there in Walmart looking at meat, people come up to me and say, what are you looking at? I so say, I'm trying to pick out a brisket. Well, what are you looking for? Yeah. I say, well, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that. This is no good. This is good. This is too much. This is not enough. And it's, it's real science picking one out. It's not like a pork butt. You it look is. at it, you look at the money muscle, it goes, yeah, it looks good. Throw it in the buggy and you shag.
0: Brisket's well, it's, 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 it's a lot. it's very easy to pick up a bad brisket at the store. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you got that right. There's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of just they're just not right in when it comes to briskets.
1: Mm-hmm. I know you're right, but I like it. I like brisket too. Okay, let's talk about the pellet smokers. Fill us uh, in on the history of the pellet smoker. Like I got, I said, I've never owned one, and I am waiting on the Weber <clears throat> smoke fire to get here. We're going to talk about that later in the show. But what is the historical journey of a pellet smoker who what when where and why
0: well you got to go back to the early 80s joe traeger up in washington state is working in kind of the pellet business this is kind of coming up as a new renewable energy pellets are made from waste wood materials Mm -hmm. and they're used for heating and he gets the idea that he can turn this into a grill And in 1986, he gets patent. And in hindsight, this is kind of an amazing patent because Joe Traeger for 20 years owns the complete rights to any type of outdoor cooking equipment powered by wood pellets. Wow. Grills, smokers, anything. No one can compete with him because it would be a patent violation. So, I mean, he gets this amazingly broad patent. But the problem is he's got to kind of convince people that they want to have one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's that, was, that turned out to be kind of a hard sell. It, pellet grills have to be explained. They're, they're complicated mechanically. I mean, you've got fans. You've got an auger. You've got motors. You've got a temperature control unit. You know, you've got all this stuff going on. You know, when you're talking about charcoal grills or gas grills, people get that. They understand how they work. They're real straightforward. But when it came to to pellet grills, it was kind of a hard sell. And so, you know, he owns this patent from 1986 to 2006. And during that period of time, he manages to get up to about 2% of the outdoor cooking market. And the patent expires. And you've got all these other companies that have been making pellet water heaters, pellet furnaces, indoor heating stoves, that sort of stuff. And they're thinking, oh, well, you know, we can jump in here and we can make a better pellet grill and we can kind of get in there. So Traeger tries to cut its costs. They ship the manufacturing to China. They get a factory they're making them. There's quality control issues. There's all sorts of problems. Mm-hmm. And Joe sells Traeger, the whole company, in 2008 for $12.5 million. Wow. And it kind of goes through some hands. But Traeger, since then, has been owned by private equity firms, these companies that just want to grow it to where they can resell it for a large profit. Mm -hmm. And I figure the company's now worth about 100 times what he sold it for. Mm.
1: So Traeger, so Traeger is, they basically are the history of pellet cookers. Yeah. There was nobody else. You know, and they,
0: and so. most pellet grills today, they still use pretty much the same design. And if you go out and get a barrel-shaped pellet grill, pellet smoker, it's basically it's the same design in almost every way. The controllers have become a lot more sophisticated. I mean, that's the other thing. It's 1986, and you're trying to build a— pellet smoker that's going to hold temperature but you know the computer parts are just not there i mean you're working on real simple electronics to just get this thing to work so you've got a high medium and low setting and you got to kind of guess you know i mean Mm -hmm. if you want it to be on low but it's a real cold day you've got to turn it to medium because it just won't keep the temperature it doesn't know that now you have this all this all this very sophisticated electronics in here You know all the Wi-Fi apps
1: and you know all of that that. stuff. But what um you know the the part that you brought up about you had to convince people. You know it's like you know you know when 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 somebody asked Henry Ford one time, you know they they told him that the the car wasn't going to work, and he said if I'd have asked people what they needed, they would have said faster horses. You you know that's you know the vision the vision that he had. How did how did this Joe Traeger fella, how did he convince to I mean to capture two percent, that's pretty good. You know, pretty good in yeah. the grill market for one guy inventing something. I'm I'm sure it's like the old Apple story. It, it's invented invented in his barn or his garage or something. How did he get how, how did he get it to the you know, who took the chance? Who who did he know? Who was the guy that said, I like it, we can do this?
0: You know, it it, it was word of mouth. For a long time, they uh, Joe would go out, and then later his sons, they would they'd go to stores. They'd set one up. They'd cook food. They'd give it to people and say, hey, this is what this will do. Taste the smokiness of it. This is this is cooking on a real wood fire." And you know, they'd work to kind of just go shop to shop, town to town, marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, this this grill and. Um, do you think people yeah.
1: people that saw it had tried smoking and said, "Hey, this just isn't for me. This is too intense." And, and do you think that do you think that, that when they saw this thing, the light bulb went off in their heads and going, "Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Something you can set it and forget it."
0: Well, in the early days, you really couldn't set it and forget it. They uh, they were a little bit more temperamental, but still, yeah, I, there was a simplicity to it. I mean, that was. You know, I mean, that's kind of always been the thing about pellet grills. You know, you don't need to, you don't have to have lighter fluid. You don't have to have starter pellet, you know, starter cubes. You don't have to build a fire. You don't have to cut logs. You know, there's no stick here. There's just wood pellets, and you buy them in a bag, and you dump them in there, and you get it going. So, you know, that simplicity has been a factor. And then, you know, by the late 90s, when the Internet really started coming on, Traeger was able to start giving word started spreading really online. Yeah. Um through kind of the earliest websites and discussion forums and stuff like that. And that's kind of where it really started getting out of the area. I mean, I think for the first five, six years they probably didn't sell a pell- pellet grill outside of Washington State.
1: Is that is that where it but, was headquartered first? Yeah. Okay, oh, I yeah. know because I knew they're in Utah now I was going to ask you if you had if you had ever heard of them when you were monitoring or when you were promoting that website that you were talking about that you worked at, did the, was the Weber grill part of that, um, that website that you started working on out of college?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I first, I first started getting into, to writing about barbecue and grilling, um, you know, I would go to like some of the trade shows and some of those organizations. And someone told me probably like 99, uh, you know, 1999, they said, you know, when it comes to cookers and and the fan base, there are three things, there are three products you don't, you don't attack, you don't disparage because their fans are rabid. And that was the Big Green Egg, the Holland Grill, and the Traeger Pellet Grill. Uh, because the people that loved those things were fanatical about them.
1: Still are They just,
0: still, yeah. yeah. except Holland Grill doesn't exist anymore, but. Yeah.
1: But you know the thing about the thing about the the pellet smoker is you no know, normally you don't create a market you service a market and for one guy the yeah. one guy to come out of his barn with a uh, a machine that that literally it has turned the barbecue world upside down as far as the backyard person I mean there's no doubt oh, well, yeah. I have I have resisted and resisted and resisted it and and I finally have given in when it first when I heard it first came out I was talking with David Bosca. I called it Satan. The, the simplicity was 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 just so stupid that you know anybody could use it. But as you as I studied it more and and, and read about it, it's uh, the technology isn't stupid. I was stupid. The technology is fascinating. That you can tell this thing to cook. And I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit in the interview, but that's all right. You can tell it to cook. What time you want the meat done? And what time are you going to basically come back from playing golf? And when I open that door, I want it to be ready.
0: Oh yeah, that's what it's going to do. Yeah, it's 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 a it it has become a revolution. I mean, you know, for years I was kind of resistant. It was you know, in the the first knockoffs of Traeger first started coming on the market, I'm like, you know, pellet grills are okay, but here we, you know, is it really barbecue? Yeah, is it really you know, I'm kind of a traditionalist that way, but, you know, now you just can't deny it. It's, it's such a huge, a huge thing. And, you know, the fact that all of these big companies now have their own pellet grill lines.
1: Okay. That, know, was, I mean, okay right right. that was right there. All right. That was my next question. Six. Question Fast six. forward to 2020. <laughs> it seems like every major corporation other than Playtex is making a pellet smoker. Do you think this erode now, is this eroding – hang on a minute. I got these piece of crap headphones. Derek, do you think the pellet smokers, are they eroding the base of, say, Traeger and some of the leaders, or are they, are they simply – is Traeger and these other companies, are they selling more smokers, and are they eroding the base of the offset pits? Because I'll tell you, this year – when I went into Walmart, my local Walmart, and I'm checking out all of the different grills they've got and smokers. It's a gas grill, it's a it's a hybrid, a gas, and a uh, charcoal grill, and it's a pellet smoker. There's not one single offset smoker in there, and I can never remember that. and I and I just use I use Walmart because that's the closest mass marketer that I, that I have to where I live. You know, I have to drive a little bit to go to Lowe's or Home Depot. But is it eroding? Are they fighting amongst themselves or are they just stealing stealing the sales from the other types of of uh, vessels?
0: So far it's been that they're taking away from other product, other types of cookers. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of been a war on offset smokers for quite a while now. People say they're uneven, they don't cook right. You don't want one. I don't agree, but you know, I know that Kamado grill sales are down. I know that higher-end charcoal grills and a lot of smoker sales are down. Um, it's hit, it's hit a lot of traditional companies pretty hard because you know they were selling. You know, you're selling a thousand dollar stick burner or a thousand dollar kamado grill or something like that and people are going to be looking well i can get this one and i can go i can go to the football game and mm-hmm. check on it at halftime and adjust the temperatures and then come back and have food yeah i can't do that with these other types of cookers you know i mean uh, the first time i saw that kind of technology it was from mac grills and i was at a trade show in atlanta and they had they had a computer up Showing a brisket, the the temperatures on a brisket that was being cooked up uh, near Seattle, because and that was the first time they made this like wireless technology, mm-hmm. so you could do that. And so right now, the the competition is, it's been pellet versus everyone else, and now now that Weber's in there, now that Broil King's in there, now that. Um, Charbroil in there. Now these other companies are in there. Now, I think, is when we're going to start seeing a war between the pellet companies.
1: Well, there's somebody um, – uh, that's what I was getting ready to ask you. I saw in our local Walmart, there's a few of the um, uh, Pit Boss in there, but very uh-huh. few. The, the, the product that has taken the place of the Pit Boss, because last year it was – it was all pit boss pellet smokers were in there, and that's all that was in there. Now this yeah. year, Quizenart has taken over their their position that I can see at least where I am. And now explain that Cuisinart, um, because I heard you the other night on Greg Rempe's show talking about that. And to me, that's a that's a, another aspect of what's going on that takes it even to another level in the, in the pellet business.
0: Yeah, well, so Cuisinart has this division on the side that does outdoor products. Mm-hmm. The Cuisinart company itself doesn't really care much about these outdoor products, but, you know, it fills out their their product catalog. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you actually go to Cuisinart website and you start looking through there, you got to kind of look for some of these, the outdoor cookers, a little bit, because it's, it's just an aside, but... If you're Cuisinart and you go to Walmart and you say, "Hey, you want to carry our blenders and our food processors and all this sort of stuff," we want a certain amount of floor space for our new line of pellet grills.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's one of the things that that these big companies have, and that's I mean, this is the power that Weber has, and we're going to see that with you know anyone else who kind of comes in with these big brand names is they go into the the big box retailers that they already have a relationship with. And they say, hey, nobody's hurt. You know, these little companies that nobody really knows anything about, squeeze them out. Put Mm -hmm. us in front of them. Put them in the back. They can be your discount products. We want better floor space, and we want you to carry our products. You know, on uh, on a much broader scale. So that's like you know, like I said, now now the competition is going to be between the pellet grill companies, the pellet smoker companies, because now there's enough of them and enough big names that with a lot of power that I think if I was a smaller pellet grill maker, I would be looking for a new way to market.
1: Well, do you, do you think that do you think that the pellet, we'll just call it the generic pellet smoker, has 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 can you can you declare them the winner, and everybody else is just an also ran now and they're chasing the pellet cookers. Well, I, you know, <sighs> in, in the backyard world, I know there's, you know, there's yeah. lots of different barbecue worlds out there, but uh, uh, in the in the the ninety percent of us that just cook, say backyard, that aren't interested in competition or anything like that.
0: Yeah, you know Ed Marin, Fast Eddie.
1: I know who he is. I don't know him.
0: Yeah. Okay. He and I have had this argument for probably twenty years because he he is a pellet fanatic. He mm-hmm. loves pellet cookers and he he's been under this opinion pellets will destroy gas grills in the future there will be no gas grills i don't i don't i've never agreed and i still don't agree there's always going to be gas grills you know weber's going to come out with their their pellet grill but they're still going to make weber genesis and that weber genesis gas grill is still going to sell phenomenally well Mm -hmm. and it's still going to be a big success there's only so far pellet grills are going to go you know, there's always going to be a market for charcoal, for stick burners, for gas, for you know those other things. But the the pallet grill has expanded the market space a lot. There's people buying outdoor cookers that may not have in the past, and they've cut into all the other market spaces. So they've cut into everyone else's business, but it can only really go so far. I mean, there are people who just don't want a pellet grill. I mean, I know people who don't really like smoke flavor. Mm-hmm.
1: They like grilling. They
0: like gas grills. There, and and there are like. people that,
1: that don't have gas grills that won't have a gas grill. They have a charcoal grill. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and there's that. And there's, that. And there's always going to be the, the charcoal people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, the ones who are right. Um,
1: before, we, before we get to the Weber, how come every time you see an ad for a, a pellet, a pellet cooker whether it be uh, a a big ad like Trigger uh you know their infomercials that they ran for a few years that were on Sunday mornings uh whether yeah. you're watching on YouTube uh what what have you the first thing they mention is how hot it'll get and how it'll sear a steak and then then they back up from there it this it's this it's this cooker will do everything that your gas genesis will do over here. It'll it'll sear the steak. So they they automatically compare it to something that I've already got. That's why it didn't yeah. interest me. I'm not interested in searing a steak on it. If I want a steak yeah. seared, I've got a, a genesis. I can get up to 750 degrees if I want to. So that part doesn't interest me. But it must interest most people because these companies are smarter – than I am, and they know what people want to hear.
0: Well, you know, in some ways, that kind of goes back to the very beginning. When Joe Trigger introduced the pellet grill, he didn't know much of anything about smokers. He didn't know much of anything about barbecue. Hmm. The fact that people figured out you could cook low and slow and smoke on them, that kind of is an after effect. He was going after... He was trying to make a pellet powered gas grill. He was trying to make something that could beat the okay. gas grill. Okay. And so for a long time that was kind of where the focus was. This is a grill. It took off in the barbecue world because they're so good at holding a low temperature for a long period of time with almost no effort. So that's where that expansion really first started coming up. And then, you know, when barbecue got so big, you know, over the last decade, the pellet grill was perfectly in place for people who didn't know. They knew, they had discovered what barbecue was, but they didn't know how to cook it. And now they had a machine that would do it easily. And so that's kind of where that went. But if you're going to get to a very broad audience, if you're going to sell to yeah. a lot of people, you've got to be able to say, oh, it'll do low and slow, but it'll sear a steak. Because for most – look, the number one thing that hits a grill – is a hamburger, mm-hmm. and the number two thing that hits a grill is a steak. And if you throw a steak on a pellet grill that can't manage to break over four hundred degrees, you get a gray steak. Mm-hmm. It's not a—it's not a good steak. Nope. So there's always been kind of there's always been a way around it. The you know people it's like oh well you know you can sear on our pellet grill. You go out and you buy grill grates. Those adenized nice aluminum cooking grates that. Um, Brad, what's his name? Sells. And, you know, that'll hold in more heat. It'll give you more searing, you know. And then they started coming up with this kind of open baffle design where the deflector in the pellet grill could be opened and you have that direct flame shot. Mm -hmm. So now you could get more intense cooking. But most, most people... When they're buying you know, something to cook outdoors, they're really thinking burgers and hot dogs and yeah, steak and chicken. know. They're, yeah. they're not thinking brisket and pork butts. So, so do, you,
1: do you think the person with the cheap uh cheap grill on the back porch when they go to replace it, honey? You know, this this thing's a piece of junk. It's got too many hot spots. When they go down to the Lowe's, Home Depot, whatever, Walmart, do you think that maybe that is where their decision process will take them from the gas to the pellet. Say this pellet will work, and and then do just simply do away with their gas grill.
0: <sighs> That's the problem is that gas grills are, are cheap. Yeah, or at least they can be. Gas grills can be really cheap. Forever, the the best selling gas grill in the world was the Charbroil two burner quick set or whatever they wanted to call it. Sell for a hundred bucks, one hundred and fifty bucks. That's actually where most gas grills sell at. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody goes in and says, "I'm," you know, when they're in, if they have that mentality, if they're thinking, "I want to just get a," you know, something for two hundred bucks. Please don't buy a pellet grill. Uh, you know, so you don't think the upsell will be there? Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, I think that there's some people that are thinking, hey, my gas grill isn't working. I'm going to replace it. And now I'm looking at these pallet grills thinking, you yeah, I could do that. I could go that route. Um, but, you know, getting a really good pallet grill, getting one that has a lot of versatility is usually going to be a bigger investment than buying just a gas grill.
1: All right, we're, we're, before we move to, before we move on to Weber for the for the money for the value first of all Derek riches' grill grates or no grill grates uh, you, you I like them
0: I don't use them that much you I like them but don't
1: of, use them. them okay
0: I, I do sometimes okay. if I'm doing something very specific like you know I mean like sometimes I will cook like you know, uh, I have a PK grill and sometimes I'll right. do like a competition SCA steak for people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and that sort of stuff. And I'll break that, that out. Um, I've known Brad forever from when they first came out on the market and they're good. I, I like them for some things. Sometimes. I love
1: them. I use them. Yeah. I mean, all the it's
0: time. a good product.
1: I, I, I love them. We have, I had a discussion with a, a group of friends today and we were, talking about it and i made a note to ask you grill grates or no grill grates you like them sometimes that's good good answer
0: well it also depends on what i'm cooking on because i actually you know i've i've had grills that have very good cooking grates they're very heavy they're very massive Mm -hmm. they have that good heat conduction you know when you're doing high temperature cooking uh some grills they just don't have the they don't start out right. You need to kind of fix them up. See, I use them. I put them, I put them on my.
1: I put them on my my uh, gas grill. I've got a Genesis. I put them on there and use them on that. I put them on my PK. I put them on my uh, cheapo gas grill that I've got at my at my shop that I cook you know chicken wings on. I like them because they keep it keeps the flare down. That's that was a number thing. I can cook hot, and you keeps yeah. the, the flame down. That's what I like about it. That's the, I think. Well,
0: what I've recommended that to people. You know, people say, oh, you know, I've got a grill. I don't want to buy a new one, but I'm having so many flare-up problems. Yeah. I'm saying, go buy these. Go buy these. Put them in your grill. You'll never worry about your flare-ups again. Yeah,
1: good product. I don't know how we got off on that, but that's okay. It's okay. All right, fast forward <clears throat> again. Uh, the Weber smoke fire was out today, never and, – and I was the biggest whiner online because mine didn't come today, but I wasn't alone. A lot of people want that it wasn't there today. Have you ever seen anything more anticipated than this thing?
0: Yeah. I can't think of anything in the industry that has had, has been hyped this well, has had this much anticipation. It's you're, you're combining the hottest new product in outdoor cooking with the most recognized brand name. So yeah, it's, It's big. It's a big deal.
1: What, um, five years ago, did you ever scratch your head and say, I wonder why Weber doesn't make a pellet smoker?
0: And did you ask him? You never? I, I know they've been working on this for about three years, Mm -hmm. probably been toying with the idea for at least four, but you know, that Weber, Weber is pretty secretive. They don't like to talk about what's coming up until they're ready to say what it is. Mm
1: Did you? So, um, did, I'm were, not surprised now. I was right going to say, I'm were you surprised, surprised when you found out that they were in the in the business, or did you think that you know they were they were true to their little Smoky Mountains and the Genesis, and they, you thought maybe they were just set with what they had? That's see, that's what I always thought. I thought that's why they didn't have one. They they were they were happy with what they had, and they thought that the
0: pellet thing was going to be just a passing fad. You know, I've never known Weber to not try to capitalize on a market space if there's if they can make money on it, they will get into it. But at the same time, they spend a lot of resources making sure they do it right the first time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Weber does not want to be seen making a mistake. They're very conscious of that, so so they want to make sure that this works, and that's actually one of the reasons why I think it kind of has been delayed, as I think there's been a software issue. Oh, okay. And they've kind of held held it back a little bit. I mean, they never, Weber never officially said this is the day. They said the early part of 2020. It's going to be early 2020, first quarter of 2020. Mm-hmm. They gave themselves a window. It's Amazon and and Lowe's that came in and said, "Here's our ship date." Yeah. And do you think that put the that pressure was on? saying,
1: "Did that put the pressure on Weber?" Uh,
0: not really. I think, if anything, I don't think the delay is, has hurt them. I mean, it's it's February. This is not the prime buying time. Right. Right now, it's going to be. You know, it had to be there by March, March one. It had to be there, and it will be. So, they're they're in good place. The um,
1: does this have more software than any other smoker that you've seen? Can it do actually do more of what they're touting? Because I've heard.
0: That. Well, I'd like to actually see it in action. I mean, really be able to. To, you know, to fully comment on that, but from everything they're saying, the idea, you know, I mean, they're literally saying, hey, you want to, you want to smoke a pork butt? You want to cook a whole chicken? You want this? You tell us when you want it ready and we'll have the cooker get it there for you.
1: Yeah, it's backwards. It's backwards of everything we've been taught about barbecue because the number one question people ask me is how long do I cook it? And the answer is always and, the same until it's done,
0: you, you know. Right, you, you and that's don't, always, that's, always that's been the rule of barbecue. Because that's the barbecue, barbecue knows when it's done. Yeah, and it, you know, and if you're observant, you'll see that. Um, we'll, we'll see how well this works out because you know I would love to throw a brisket in one of these, plug it in, and say, "Hey, all right, computer, all right, Weber, cook my brisket," and <laughs> and see how it comes out,
1: and um, and hopefully and hopefully it'll come out good and not you won't have to write them a letter and say i got (laughs) home i got home from the golf course and i was looking at a hamburger i burned burned a hamburger on my uh smoke fire ex ex uh six um you know I, i just wonder i go over a lot of friends houses and they've all got they've all got two things on their deck they've got a green egg or some sort of maybe a Walmart Kamado or a, you know, a knockoff Kamado, what have
0: you. It
1: sits over in the corner and it's all, it's it's usually, it usually doesn't have a cover, but if it's got a cover on it, it's dusty. You can tell it hasn't been used. And right next to it is the gas grill. And Uh that's, that's getting the action. You know, the Kamado was something Father's Day-ish maybe, uh, or, you know, a a moment of uh, high testosterone in the Ace Hardware where, you know, oh, there's, yeah, I got to have that. A few grunts get it home and they cook on it once or twice and say, you know, this thing isn't real easy to use. And so they use that gas grill. Uh, I'm just wondering if you think that the, do uh, you think the Weber might be the new, I call it the status grill. Uh, just something that we got to have to impress our friends.
0: It could be. I mean, it could very well be. I I, I think there's going to be a lot of people hyping it. Um, social media is going to be flooded in in the next couple of weeks with people cooking on their smoke fire. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna be that's gonna be the story this year. It's gonna be all over the place. And is this if thing- it works out well, Weber could really dominate the market space. Yeah, you know, Derek it, I think su- it's gonna be the grill to own for this year.
1: I'm sure you saw the same videos I saw when they had those people up at the headquarters at Weber and they I don't know, you may have been one of those people. I don't know. They were they're were all using this this Weber, they all set it up and they were and all of them they were very few of them were smoking on it. most of them were grilling, you know, mm-hmm. grilling different items on it. What um is this is this something that you you or I could take and you don't have to use the computer. Can you just like override it, say, I'm gonna set it at two eighty five, I'm gonna put my brisket well, on there and I'm just gonna I'm gonna have a beer and I'm gonna sit back and watch it in my driveway. Is is it going to have that capability? Is it going to have the simplicity one?
0: Yeah. No, I you can you will be able to just go say, "Hey, this is the temperature I want just stay here." Okay. Don't pay attention to, you know, just do that. Okay. Um it it would be foolish to not be that way cuz you know I thought so. They they're having this idea it's like, "Hey, we we have I don't know, 700 to 1,000 recipes built into this app and you buy this stuff and you tell the grill that this is what you want to make and you put the temperature probe right here and then you set it on there and we're going to just tell you what to do, well, that would really be annoying the fourth time you made that thing. Right. Because you know what you're doing now. Yeah. You know? It's going to teach people, it might teach people cooking. It might teach people how to use the grill and and for them to get to know it that way. But yeah, I mean, I've had pellet cookers with very sophisticated electronics and I, you know, if I'm just cooking on it, I set my temperature, put my food on, I'm done. I don't use the temperature probes. I don't monitor it that way. I just make sure it's running.
1: On your so experience in your experience of testing all these smokers that you get to test? Which is, which brand and which model number, if you can remember it, the model number, was the most technologically advanced that you've seen so far?
0: Well, the most technologically advanced cooker I've seen. Well, okay, so actually it's not. Four years ago, Lynx came out with a computer-controlled, gas grill. It, the, you had an app for it, and it would you could adjust the temperature, you could turn burners up and down, you could do all sorts of stuff with it. I mean, it costs like $6,000. Uh, I think that Twin Eagles has... Twin Eagles came out with a pellet grill last year for $7,500. Um, it will use probably half the pellets per hour as smoke fire, because it's incredibly insulated. Mm-hmm. And... It has pretty much equal electronics, but it costs seven and a half times as much as your EX4 is going to cost.
1: Well, that's 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 not that's out of the. Yeah, that's, that's out. Of,
0: that's I, mean, I mean, that's that's a luxury item. Yeah, that's one hundred percent of the sales. Nobody, yeah, nobody. that's for billionaires and politicians. Yeah,
1: aren't. yeah, exactly right. One and two are the same. Um, I'm, I'm anxious to get mine. I'm sure you're anxious to cook on one. How will you? Uh, will you get to cook on one? Will they make – is there like a, a press thing that you've been invited to or or some sort of a, a gathering that Weber's well, going to have? Well, I'm
0: working on, on getting one here. Okay. Um, I, the problem with, you know, when they have these PR events and they say, hey, come up here and cook on this. We bought you the food. We're going to season the food for you. We're going to supervise you cooking it. We're going to see what you do, and we're going to make sure you don't make a mistake. I mean, when I test things, I'm like, what are the most common mistakes people make? Mm-hmm. What are they going to do wrong, and what happens when you do that? So,
1: I think it takes some of the the, the bias away too. There, if they fly you up there and you're going to love it, it's like it's like the barbecue guy that cooks for his family all the time says, "Oh, they love my barbecue. I must be a great barbecue cooker.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't have to. Yeah, that's I don't have to that's the problem with these. Uh, PR events, the marketing people want to make sure that you are one hundred percent satisfied with what they were presenting. Mm-hmm. I I test things by breaking them. <laughs> that's you know what yeah. what can I what can I do to wh- where's it going to break? What's going to go wrong here? Yeah, because that's you know I mean that's when people are reading reviews, they don't. It's like oh well, it worked great on the showroom floor or the first time you cooked on it, it went great, but. If you do something slightly wrong, is it going to destroy it? Are you going to be two hundred bucks getting it fixed? Is it just going to shut down? So, is the, know, is, the wheel, get, is the wheel is the wheel going to fit between the
1: is the wheel going to fit between the wood on my deck and turn over? I, you know, it's the small things like that. Yeah.
0: You
1: know? Oh yeah, definitely. There's there
0: are there are some really dumb little details that a lot of manufacturers kind of miss. Who well who, among us, also,
1: who among us hasn't dumped a charcoal grill before? I mean, I've dumped the whole thing. Just knocked it over. Yep. I mean, you, you, I happen. you're you horsing around or somebody's kid runs over to it and you you run to grab the kid so they don't burn themselves and your shirt tail gets hooked on the edge of that PK cooker, that little aluminum part that sticks out that just grabbed my shirt tail and grabbed that it happened. and I turned it around and, and all of a sudden I looked at it and it was following me like a car chase in the French Connection and then boom, yeah, and it yeah, goes over. You know, so,
0: yeah,
1: I mean, things like that happen. Oh, it's me. true. To Plus me. Plus, there's also,
0: you know, you want to assemble it. I mean, for me, it's like I want to put it together. I want to see what the instructions say. I want to see what the parts are like. Because, you know, the number of times people have sent me a grill or a smoker, and I've tried to put it together, and it's like, you know, the screws are on the wrong side. The holes aren't Be- right. Yeah. This doesn't fit here. Because if I have to get the sledgehammer out to get this thing apart, you've got a problem.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: I don't expect that from Weber, although I did have a problem with one of their gas grills that couldn't actually be put together right.
1: Because of the parts they'd furnished?
0: Yeah. and the, it, uh, So it had to do with the way it had been packaged. The packaging bent something that then made it so it wouldn't line up. They changed the packaging, but I mean, I think it was one of the first people to ever have it. But, you know, I mean, that happens.
1: Well, well, Derek Riches, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you being here with us. Uh, you're a great guest. Your your knowledge is um, beyond comprehension for me. and the knowledge of barbecuing and grilling and uh, smokers and the history and the the whole the whole kit and caboodle. And I appreciate you sharing that knowledge with us. Um, I was hoping, I was really hoping that we'd get the uh, Weber today because I was gonna I was going to team up with you and we were gonna do a live thing from my gas station putting the Weber together, but that was not meant to be. But maybe someday it will be. So uh
0: right. I'm great. sure it'll show up eventually.
1: Well let's do this again, all right?
0: Yes. Well, I enjoyed it, Thanks man. I well. I
1: really enjoyed it. You're 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 a great guy and a great guest. And I appreciate your time. And I know everybody watching, uh we had a bunch of people watching tonight, man. We may have we may have set a record for the Al's Nest Barbecue show. But uh oh, good, you got a great show going. Well you're 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 a great guest and I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you uh sooner than later, I promise you. Thank you so much. Derek Riches, everybody, straight from Utah. Uh what a great guest. What a great guy. What a great guy. Hey, we gotta go, man. We got to go. We got to go. We're just a little bit over, but that's okay. I wanna do this. And I wanna do this real quick. Come on, come on. Hang with me, hang with me. Where is it? Right there. I want to remind everybody that, let's see. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow night, Friday night, you can hear Jeff Rice, the ricer of Dead Broke Barbecue. He's got Tavern Talk live on YouTube. That's at 9 o'clock. Go to Deadbroke Barbecue, and you can check out Ricer on Tavern Talk Barbecue at 9 o'clock. On Monday night, it's Chewing the Fat with Brian Jarvis, sponsored by the Atlanta Barbecue Store. That is 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Facebook. Tuesday afternoons, you can hear uh, In the Pit with Johnny Mags and Messy Mike at 5 o'clock live on Facebook. Tuesday night, the granddaddy of them all, the Barbecue Central Show with Greg Rempe live on Facebook and YouTube at 9 o'clock. Two hours of the best barbecue information in the United States. And on Wednesday nights, don't forget Sandy Smith, Just piddling Barbecue on YouTube at 8 o'clock. He and his wife, Brandy, got a unique little show. It's kind of a town hall barbecue show. I like it, and I promise if you watch it, you will like it too. Everybody, thank you for joining us. Next week, we have got a representative of the National Barbecue Tour who will be with us, and we'll be talking about that event coming up uh, February the 28th, I believe, 28th and 29th in Lebanon, Tennessee. So stay with us until then. Next Thursday, everybody, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Good night and good luck.
0: Thank you for listening to the Owl's Nest Barbecue Show with Steve Ray broadcasting from the Owl's Nest Barbecue Research and Development Center in Udawah, Tennessee. Good night.